How does that work? Explain that to me. Is someone <laughs> urinating or washing dishes? I'm peeing. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. L- let's just fucking start over. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Agony Cast, where we are improving culture through friendly competition. I am your host, Jeremy. I've got a face for radio and a voice for mime. And with me this time are... I'm Lars. I think we're being I'm Nathaniel, the Jackal. No, oh, those are all unimpressive. <laughs> all right, um, so regular listeners uh, will know that uh, our game begins with the two-minute win-it round. Two-minute win-it. Wherein contestants are given an indeterminate interval um, to respond <laughs> to a previously determined prompt. Uh, this time the prompt was, how would the world be different if Tom Hanks's career sputtered after Splash? Looks like I'm starting us off, gentlemen, so uh, I'll take it from here. So the key issue, I think, is that his career sputtered after Splash, not that it died, okay? Hmm. So the linchpin here, of course, is the burbs, but let's back up a bit. So Splash was Hanks's Hollywood movie debut, as we all know, and it was only the second major studio picture for director Ron Howard after Night Shift with Happy Days chum Henry Winkler and Michael Keaton. Huh. Uh, before that, he was doing little shits, including Grand Theft Auto, which is not what you think it is, uh, and the TV movie The Time Crystal, which is also known as Through the Magic Pyramid. Let me give you the blurb for that. <laughs> A lad finds himself magically sent back to ancient Egypt, where he and the young King Tut team up to stop their evil and overly ambitious elders. (laughs) I'm in. (laughs) Uh, Mild nudity. Uh, Splash also was the first release from Touchstone Pictures, an imprint Disney uses to push movies not intended for children. And I think we can all agree that they got off on the right foot by showing mermaid tits right from the jump. (laughs) Um, Splash was made on a budget of about $8 million in 1984 dollars, and it was a surpri- surprise success. There wasn't mm. much expected of it. Um, but let's assume that the most probable outcome, in fact, did occur, and it fell a little flat, right? Mm. It made its, its money back. But really, how far could a hokey premise go with a bunch of tenderfoots taking charge of it? It certainly couldn't launch its star into shit like Big, Saving Private Ryan, and Toy Story. Uh, so here's where things get a little interesting. Uh, by the time Splash comes out, Bachelor Party's already in the can, so thankfully we all get to see that donkey OD and get stuffed into an <laughs> elevator. Uh, volunteers still happens, but the film tilts towards uh, Hanks's Splash partner and comedian's comedian, John Candy, who wasn't tainted by the mermaid's fishy odor because he shone through in a supporting role in the earlier movie. Uh, also, Hanks and Rita Wilson don't hook up on the set of Volunteers. Mm. She knows he's a nice guy, but she just doesn't see it going anywhere. Um, after this, Hanks doesn't get the opportunity to stretch himself, so we don't get, uh, or we do get things like the Money Pit and Dragnet, but there aren't early forays into deeper craft like we saw in Nothing in Common every time we say goodbye or punchline. These are not good movies, but they were necessary training vehicles that didn't happen. So then the branch point happens, right? It's fairly well known that John Travolta declined the role of Forrest Gump 
and actually Hanks's later role in The Green Mile too, but that's tangential. Mm. Um, but it's less publicized. The Travolta also was considered for the lead in Splash, but he passed on it uh, due to the advice of his agent. So with Hanks's uh, star fading, Travolta ends up stepping into the burbs, which is the disaster you'd expect. Uh, because of this, Travolta's career shifts into a different path, more in line with routine look-who's-talking direct-to-VHS sequels. Uh, come 1994, a young filmmaker is looking for a tarnished leading man hungry enough to take a flyer <laughs> on an indie crime picture. And Quentin Tarantino finds him in a man fresh off shooting Turner and Hooch 3, Pups on Patrol. <laughs> Hanks's turn as Vincent Vega in Pulp Vic Fiction rehabilitates his image and revitalizes his career. Years later, YouTube mashups proliferate of Hanks dressed as bosom buddies' as Buffy Wilson saying, That's milk and ice cream? That's $5? And I just shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> Travolta does end up in the oddball Zemeckis pick Forrest Gump, and that goes pretty much how you think it would. Meanwhile, a resurgent Hanks gets back on track with Apollo 13. Ron Howard always believed in him. And curiously, multiplicity. Michael Keaton also was considered to play the lead in Splash right after his night shift pair up with Howard, a little bit of tit for tat. Uh, so from there, things pretty much straighten out. I mean, it's Tom Hanks. There's really only one way this thing's going to end. Interestingly, he does show up in Battlefield Earth, but he plays Forrest Whitaker's role, so there's no harm, no foul. <laughs> also, the birds in Joe versus the Volcano were a year apart. Both gems. Huh. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. But tra but Travol has Travolta ever approached the nice guy appeal of Hanks? I, guess, I mean, no. that's part of your premise as a joke, but... Yeah, see, I, I, th exactly. I mean, the, it's sort of a uh, square peg, two square pegs in two different round holes. Mm. If, but it also... Splash didn't happen the way it did. It also presupposes, Lars, that Tom Hanks' is sort of innate affability is actually a function of his career choices. Hmm. Right. Was he a but nice guy, or did, already... or did he end up the Tom Hanks that we know, and would have Travolta ended up another Travolta? Hmm. But but I think that Travolta has a certain viciousness in Saturday Night Fever, which is already out in 77. Like, I think you can imagine whatever that character's name was, Tony, it's not Tony Montana, like in Scarface. That's close. Tony Baloney. Yeah. <laughs> you can imagine Tony Baloney <laughs> killing someone, as he's already privy to a backseat rape, I think by multiple yeah. members in... Uh, Saturday Night Fever, but I don't know if Hanks has any of it, even until Road to Perdition, where he's basically the nicest mass-murdering gangster you've ever met. Yeah, I mean, there were forays into that, as I mentioned. You know, punchline, he's borderline suicidal. Yes. Um, I think when he tells a young Matt Damon, earn this as he dies, that's 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 mean. <laughs> <laughs> Although well, that's, that's sort of still straight man drama rather yeah. than what Lars is pointing out, the sort of creepy... Uh, affect mm. yeah you know um, we I, I don't know if we've seen that sort of heel turn from him that we got from like a Carrie Elwes going mm. from Wesley to what was that uh, was it the bone collector or there's one where he, yeah yeah he, there's there's one of those creepy horror movies where he's clearly set up to be playing Wesley because he's Wesley and then it turns uh. out he is the creepy murderer you know? Glory? yes um, right <laughs> well, I mean, the other, but the other thing I realize actually is that there is a certain plasticity. Oh, it's Schindler's in, List. <laughs> there's a certain plasticity in uh, in some of those Tarantino roles, so you can imagine a slightly funnier Vincent Vega 
you know, mm-hmm. maybe played a little bit more like Ma- Michael Madsen's brother, um, whatever, whichever Vega he plays. Right. Yeah, man, that's it's an interesting, it's an interesting what if. Yeah, I was just impressed by your, your encyclopedic, almost IMDb-ish knowledge of Tom Hanks's career. <laughs> Curiously, <laughs> I didn't have to consult IMDb about a lot of these things. Oh. Um, I did like, I didn't know the budget of Splash. Sure, <laughs> but beyond sure. That, fair enough. <laughs> I was mostly shooting from the hip. Right, very nice. Yeah, so you'll, uh, yeah, I, I have a similarly well-researched take on this. Um, what happens if Tom Hanks's career putters out after Splash? What happens if Splash only makes a ripple? Well, I'll tell you. First of all, it's pretty unlikely that Splash did work out, as Jeremy sort of nods to there. Listen to this snappy tagline from the movie poster as seen on IMDb. Two days ago, this girl showed up naked at the Statue of Liberty. For Alan Bauer, it was love at first sight. Now everyone is chasing her, trying to prove she's a mermaid. From the first laugh, you'll be hooked. Jesus. Daryl Hannah is pictured wearing nothing but a t-shirt, so I assume the marketing thought their demographic was horny men who love to read. Ding. Which is basically no one except the members of the Agony cast. <laughs> so it's a miracle that the film got the 70 million domestic gross box office that it did. So what happens to the cast if the movie flops. John Candy never goes on to create the much-loved film Canadian Bacon. When we were seven years old, my cousin told me that Canadian Bacon was the best movie of all time. (laughs) If Splash isn't a success, my cousin is not conceived. Sidebar, Canadian Bacon is a fascinating film. Released in 1995, two years before Wag the Dog, the film's premise is that an unpopular president starts a fake war with a made-up country, Canada, Mm -hmm. to boost his ratings. It features Alan Alda as the president who gets to say, surrender pronto or we'll level Toronto. It also satirizes drone strikes well before the advent of drones. Rick Torn and Kevin Pollack in one scene uh, as government high, you know, high-level government functionaries are watching an unmanned missile hit its target, and they celebrate. And when Pollock says, how did you know that was a nuclear site, presumably uh, the target of the missile strike, Rip Torn says, well, they got us that time. It was a hospital. Mild nudity. So if Splash isn't a hit, there's no Canadian bacon, and there's no uh, My Cousin Aaron. And of course, Tom Hanks kills himself in a suicide pact with Bosom Buddies co-star Peter Scolari, who I hope appears in all three of our answers today. I cede the rest of my time. <laughs> Peter Scolari was recently in the HBO show Girls. Girls, you very good. He was yeah. excellent. Again, I do not need to consult IMDb for these <laughs> things. I think he was in, he might have been one of the Tremors too, but I might just be thinking of uh, the father from Family Ties. You're thinking of Michael J. Fox. He's got Tremors. There you go. That was the first thing I heard you say. Mild nudity. <laughs> there we go. Oh, boy. That's, that's, we're getting, that's some mea culpa territory. Mm. I mean, as a, as, a, as a frequent Michael J. Fox offender myself, my uh, radar is yeah. particularly honed into that kind of thing. Frequent offender in the court of Michael J. Fox. What is the average sentence that you get when you're recognized for that? Oof. I don't know. Two years of jitters. Hmm. Yeah. Now, the real question, I suppose, is how would Hanks off himself? Hmm. Right. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I think probably... Um, I would think he'd drown himself. Mm. Oh, that's he'd, right. He'd make yeah. a splash. He probably puts the uh, mermaid the fin on. over his head. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. 
star of splash flop flops and flops and drowns. I don't know. We'll no, just it's as you said it later. Just as you said it, star of flap flop flash. I don't know. And then the next day, drunk editor apologizes for misprint. Here's the scoop. Fish picture stinks. Star at bottom of lake. There we go. No bachelor party too. Ugh. Oddly enough, did have to consult IMDb for that one. <laughs> Jeez, I wonder if there's any television auteur who may may be able to bring out the erotic qualities of a hanging death of the star of the Splash. <laughs> if only we had access to such a genius. Oh. Hello? Are we joined? Hello, this is Matthew Weiner. It is him. Boy, <laughs> we've just got a direct line to you. It's basically the bat phone. Oh my god, Matthew, most fuckable Mad Men character. Oh, Tom Hanks actually drowns himself <laughs> after splash splashes at the box office. Oh, Matthew, I appreciate that you're stretching yourself here. <laughs> oh, the only part of me I stretch is my neck. <laughs> no, but... With a rope. No, but ligatures are so 2017, you know what I mean? Mm. He's totally getting into some, some mm. very bespoke drownings this, this new year. <laughs> Oh, indeed. Just as long as oxygen isn't getting to where it's supposed to be. He's satisfied. Yes, that's... That's the key. That's my thing. That's, everybody needs a thing. <laughs> Mine is lack of oxygen. But there's many ways. Many, many erotic ways of depriving a brain of oxygen. I, I can imagine you helming a sci-fi series where people keep getting pushed out of spaceships and pushed into the void, which is also without oxygen. Oh, the best Lars you know me so well the best part of that kind of picture is the release of a body out of an airlock is physically similar to the release I receive sexually when said body is expelled through an airlock it's a it is an explosion of desire into a vacuum of the universe as I symbolism space with my seed don't don't try to do my voice Jeremy <laughs> So now, um, as you're directing the reboot of Battlestar Galactica, are you actually going to uh, have closed captions that just say metaphor the whole time? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, and, and Edward, Edward James almost always, hmm. oh, his pocked face <laughs> oxygen He's scarred. got a mug who can really gag. Visage. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. He didn't return my calls after I told him that over the phone, though. The whole casting process is just, let me see you struggle breathing through this straw. Does the face expand uh, into like an explosion like it does in Total Recall in the actual vacuum of space? Because if it does, then for just a second, uh, you know, almost would have perfectly smooth skin. Yes, but then then it, it decompresses. So it expands but doesn't explode. It then shrinks, sort of a post-coital post-coital and flaccid. I think you're going to have to walk Mr. Wiener through this. I doubt he saw the end of Total Recall because he immediately falls asleep after that scene. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh, yes. No, after the dome bursts, I'm out. (laughs) Well, thank you. That's the money shot as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us. Also, I only owned it on VHS. (laughs) All right, goodbye. (laughs) Thank you, Matthew, for your time as always. Could you maybe channel Nathaniel so that we can bring this home? Uh, sorry, guys, I'm back. Sorry. Okay, so, um, yes, 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 the question. The best answer to this question is yet another question. It's the question posed by Tom Hanks as Joe in Joe versus the Volcano. Great movie. When he asks a, a Meg Ryan, who plays not one but two characters in Joe versus the Volcano, Joe pleadingly asks, what other questions are there? 
And so the answer to the question, what would the world be like if Tom Hanks's career sputtered after Splash, is both simple and complex. Simple because we can easily say, worse off, because we wouldn't have Hanks as Joe in Joe versus a Volcano, and thus his meta-question about the nature of questions. But we would perhaps also be better off, as Hanks's recent offerings, both on and off-screen, perform a kind of crushing status quo that is perhaps a crushing departure from his earlier work. The magic keeps getting squeezed out of his oeuvre. And so I recall the rectal probes promised by the American Panoscope Company, the company that Joe works for in Joe versus the Volcano. So this rectal probe is the question, the larger question, the other questions that we can ask. How does the world respond to art? Or does the world respond to art? Or vice versa? The other, questioning, the other question lingering here, or available here, is what is the relationship between art and the world that this question presupposes? Would the world be different had the artistic endeavors of Tom Hanks been different? In the world of Joe versus the volcano, Joe is lost in a soul-crushing world which he only escapes by entering and maybe creating another world entirely. To redeem his world requires nothing less than a radically new world altogether. This is a daunting proposition. The world won't simply get better on its own. We must actively imagine the world otherwise. This is the premise and promise of Joe versus the Volcano, a film that moves within the strangeness um, inaugurated by a film such as Splash. But I'm not answering the question, am I? We don't live in a radically other or new world. And so, the role of the artist and their prospects, I must say, I don't think the world would be any different, looking back over Hank's career. I see not a fine wine getting better with age, but a sharp tool, a fine knife dulling against the geological forces of the world. The bloated and dull performances of Charlie Wilson's War and the Da Vinci Code pale in comparison with the jaded office worker at the beginning of Joe vs. the Volcano. Sure, the weight loss of Castaway is striking, but it compares not with the jaundiced visage of an overtired and disaffected office worker at the beginning of Joe versus the Volcano. <laughs> this, this disenchantment of the same office worker at the beginning of Joe versus the Volcano packs more pathos than a pitiful offering Hanks brings to the table as an AIDS-infected leper in Philadelphia. Leper. Antonio Banderas had little to play off than did Meg Ryan playing two different characters in Joe versus the Volcano. It's three, but whatever. Indeed. The Hanks Ryan. Oh shit! I think you're right. I am right. I, I assure you. I, I, I quite literally I, know this I, movie backward. <laughs> Indeed, the Hanks Ryan pair never recaptured the dynamic of its first iteration in Joe versus the Volcano. Indeed, Hanks has been coasting since Joe versus the Volcano. This whole time, once ejected in a plume of sulfuric smoke, there's no putting this genie back in the bottle. The eruption landed him as far away as. Ah, oh, shit, I lost my thing there. Never mind. We'll fix it in post. Yeah, we'll fix this in post. So in many ways, the answer to the question is that the world would be the same, but that the world is the thing that has imposed itself on Hanks. Hmm. And that's that's all I got. Mm, that's great. Hmm. Yeah, I let that, uh, that two-roll thing slide at the beginning because I thought perhaps you were going to uh, explicate that. But yeah, she's the secretary and then what is it? both what is... sisters. Ah, shit, that's... That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I um, unironically think that's a very, uh, very good movie, an excellent movie. Mm. And yes, um, I think is. I saw either like the Criterion ver- or, or, you know, the AMC. They showed it on AMC mm. when they have the, you know, the information about it. And the director, mm-hmm. um, uh, what's his name? Shanley, I believe it. His last name is Shanley, I believe. Um, is a hypochondriac. And that's a mm. movie, as a hypochondriac, you have to have borderline mental issues to to resonate with that movie, mm-hmm. to understand the depth of yeah. hypochondria and depression and anxiety. Mm. Um, I, no, that... Go ahead. Cinematography-wise, the lighting and the repeating visual motifs... Right, of that, it is of a, that jagged it's a well, line. It's a, well-wrought, and, yeah. it's a well-wrought film. And The Road to Redemption is a jagged line. Right. It's a crooked path, we, as he says huh? in the film. It's a crooked path we walk. I Indeed. think that also, the, as you're saying, Jeremy, the hypochondria, the idea that having a brain cloud would be something of a, a relief, right? That, that right. oh, no, I've found what's wrong with me. It's this preposterous exactly. brain cloud. That's a pretty sick thought, but one that I think occurs to many of us in this podcast. Definitely, because uh, once something is named, it's at least knowable, right? right? right. I mean, let's not forget our Berg here, Mm. that if we can, you know, have a grammar of these things, then we kind of know what we're up against. As he says, you know, once he's diagnosed, I knew it. I didn't know it, but I knew it. Right. That Mm -hmm. director has only done Doubt and Joe versus the Volcano. Yeah, got it in two. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Anywho. Yeah, I still, that, the early scenes where he's in his, in that office with the fluorescent lighting flickering in his eye twitching yeah that's uh, that left an indelible mark on a uh, on a young me <laughs> yeah. yeah have you guys had cubicle farm jobs no 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 i had a i had a decentralized uh, one that was similar but not not really i i have had jobs in setups similar to that i mean you know not completely identical but eerily similar and what those taught me was I did not belong there, you know? Mm. And I can completely uh, empathize with the notion of uh, knowing you don't belong there and yet having nowhere else to go, right. you know? In that case, the brain mm-hmm. cloud probably is the preferable way out. Yeah. There's a, there's a three-part series on YouTube where an old man exp- <laughs> explains Joe versus the volcano to you. All right, well, anything else here? I've... No, I liked that in response to my well-thought-out response, uh, we just spent time talking about jobs that Jeremy had. <laughs> well, potentially that uh, underscores your point. Right. It does. These are the things that happen to you. Everything, under, everything underscores my point. <laughs> we'll fix all this in post. Yeah. It's almost like friendly competition isn't the way to improve culture. <laughs> nope. We're getting there. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, fuck you guys. Let's move on. <laughs> Um, right, so before we uh, move on to the next segment, um, as usual, we have a, a, a pause here for, uh, you know, snacks and restroom. Um, you know, one of the questions I always get, always, just flooded with this question, is why, uh, you know, our, our publication schedule is so erratic. And mostly that has to do with just material concerns of keeping the lights on, you know? Um, podcasting doesn't pay for itself, so you know we occasionally have to do things like line up sponsors and uh, uh, do things to pay the bills. So uh, with that in mind, I, I do have some ad copy here I'm going to read for something that um, does exist in Israel. That's at the top of the page. Um, so let's see, here we go. 
Bom, bom, this fall, get ready. The street's toughest cop comes to America's shameful playground. Next shooter, next shooter here. Ah, blackjack. Seven, seven, seven the hard way. He's back, and he's dirtier than ever. Craps, craps, craps. Deuce Rocker comes to Las Vegas in Deuce's Wild. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good luck, Mr. Rocker. Luck's got nothing to do with it, hussy. (laughs) Snake eyes, you stay away from me. (laughs) Mr. Rocker, I think you'll find that here in Las Vegas, we play by our own rules. Oh, yeah, punk? Well, my rule is always bet on brown. Whoa, Rocker, Sin City has made you soft. I'm harder than ever, chief. Not not simple for you. Light up the night. I've got some questions, pigeon, and you're gonna sing. Oh, geez, not now, rocker. Can't you see I'm on a run? I'm full of the runs. Oh, well, well. I'm afraid your luck's run out, Mister Rocker. You see, in Las Vegas, a flush takes care of a deuce. Not when the deuce is high, scumbag. Tore to the Hoover Dam. This fall, the outhouse always wins. Friday. Is on channel 5 at 8 o'clock. His deuce is wild! <laughs> Untouchable. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was trying to think of an... I was trying to think of the natural enemy of Deuce Rocker, and I started to think of, like, uh, the the metamusicizer. But I don't know if his natural enemy would, yeah, would, would be... Uh, cheese, right? Yeah, would it, yeah, it would stop up the flow, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> Roughage? <laughs> But oh. Lars, you're you're skewing into superhero and parody here. Oh, right. uh, yeah. I don't think that's what our sponsors intended. No, I think you're probably right. All right. No. Um, well, I feel refreshed. Uh, <laughs> so why don't we move on to our uh, speed round? Speed round. Uh, so as folks know, in this um, we respond to randomly determined stems in a much more free flowing fashion. <laughs> So our first one uh, mm-hmm, is, if you had access to Trump's Twitter account, what's a tweet you could post that would sound plausible enough to be real, but still damage him? So, you know, envision the scenario. Um, you get access to Trump's Twitter password somehow. You're able to log in, but you know once you fire off a tweet, they're going to lock that thing out. What's something that would be plausible enough to be real, but still damaging? Uh, just had sex with my ex-wife. Sad. <laughs> yeah. I keep thinking, you know, in that vein of, of like the confessional, but I think that that gets, I think that gets twisted so that it eventually isn't, isn't a problem anymore. Much like the grabbing by the pussy comment. Right. I, mean, I think that like, I thought like, oh, like drunk, 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 there's no God. Like that would be like, you'd be like, oh, well, he might lose his Christian constituency, but I don't think, I don't think so. I think it probably, the best one would be a wholehearted endorsement of one of his positions that's on the fringes of popularity. So if he said, mm-hmm. and this is why, you know, we need to have a two-state solution or something, you know, sort of like, nah, but even that, yeah, he's, it's tough to touch a man yeah. who has no David Foster line. Wallace's infinite jest is underrated. <laughs> yeah, now yeah. see, I think, I think that is on the right path where he starts embracing something that would be anathema uh, to his to his people, but maybe you'd need sort of a thin edge of that wedge where you know first it's just sort of like 
you know, hey, I went to Starbucks and that wasn't so bad. And then, you know, later on it moves on to, you know, I don't know. I drove a Subaru and, you know, it was great. <laughs> right, right, right. Works. It's, yeah, it's, I think actually very mundane, understated kind of things. Like finally got around to watching HBO's Girls. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think if there was, I think, I think it would really depend on context. And I, I confess I haven't been watching him or the situations closely enough to really be able to tell this. But I think if he had, you know, if there was a slight wane on the appearance of the public's approval of gun control or, you know, sort of he felt like the winds had changed and he needed to say something like, why can't we work together with gun control? Or, you know, maybe we shouldn't own all these guns or I've never owned a gun, like something like that. You find the one part of his constituency that still takes no prisoners when it comes to, you know, uh, a slight deviation from the party line and then mm-hmm. maybe they end up having some impact but i don't know what if he trashed fox for something yeah but he but but, but he got mm. in that fight with fox with megan kelly remember yeah but that was pre um pre-election and um although you know mm. this has all been pushed down the memory hole he actually mm. was fairly contrarian to fox through the campaign he mm. you know would bash them because they would prop up different republican candidates right. Um, that all, right. um, everyone pretended that didn't exist sort of after he got ele- elected or certainly after the nomination. Mm. Right. Yeah, I think it would need to be sort of against the grain opinions about pop culture or things like mm. that. I liked The Last Jedi. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, something to chew on for the next several years. <laughs> I think Fruit Loops are overrated. Um, he'd be he'd be correct in that because uh, Fruit Loops, despite having different colors, um, are actually flavored all the same. That's mm. true about Skittles mm-hmm. as well. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the disappointing part of Skittles. <laughs> yeah, that alone is the disappointing part of Skittles. <laughs> yep. Otherwise, it's a pretty solid snack. Pretty solid candy. <laughs> Um, so our next topic, what will, potentially related, what will change when California leaves the U.S. in a Brexit-style move? You know, maybe we should uh, zag here instead of zigging and start, you know, moving away from the politics of this. But what, what would change when California leaves the U.S. in a Brexit-style move, or Calexit, as it might be called? Um, how would tariffs affect the films of Tom Hanks? Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. International film star Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Burbs, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like the um, I think that there despite all the stereotypes about Americans being fat there is still a stereotype that Americans are really into working out and I think that the image of that changes if California is no longer part of the union the sort of average of the high right. athletic American then shifts to the sort of McMansion 24 hour fitness trophy wife and CEO husband becomes the dominant as opposed to the sort of rollerblading uh, you know whatever potentially Colorado has to carry or a, a carry a heavier, right. heavier burden yeah, in that right. area I was I was thinking f- like Phoenix like the the urban sprawl of Phoenix becomes the anchoring hmm. west coast image right. yeah that's right at least uh, as pertaining to that sort of outdoorsy uh, notion, I think, of course, then Portland is going to carry a larger, um, you know, leftist mm-hmm, uh, kooky burden. Yeah, although honestly, I think that if uh, if California leaves, Oregon leaves, because there was talk of Oregon leaving on its own, which ultimately is quite foolish because, as is my current obsession, 
um, you know, the, the word is that this earthquake out here is just going to level most of the West Coast, especially, you know, the Northwest. And so we're definitely going to need the support of the rest of the country if Oregon leaves and becomes its own state. It basically becomes Haiti when the earthquake comes. So I think that the sort of dire consequences for a California exit are more along those lines. What about joining Canada? Hmm, that's a good point. Sort of a sidestep. Well, wasn't there a move like the Cascadia kind of... Right, yeah. ...sort of region mm-hmm. sort of seceding as a kind of mm-hmm. environmental secession? So a, a secession based less on the political boundaries of states, but more on the kind of geological boundaries of a of a kind of ecosystem. Yeah, but I think Potentially that, that the, the be Rockies being the, uh, the cutoff there. But it's and that's a funny question. Then, if that happens, does the rest of the country then retain its current political um, sort of geography, or does it, do parts of it actually become a little bit more blue, given that they you know they don't have they, they can't outsource the progressive thinking to the West Coast? We'll probably have to turn this more towards comedy because all of this is going to hit the. Uh... Yeah, this is not fun. Let's see. Arnold Schwarzenegger gets to be president? <laughs> yeah. Potentially. There you go. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And almonds are even more hard to mm, come by. That's yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. A lot of, yeah, what gets exported and imported in a different way if California leaves? Porn? Pornography? Yeah. Water? Water. The West, uh, well, the, well, the, the yeah, the sort of relationship with uh, Japan, right? And the East changes because of the mm-hmm. sort of, the, mm-hmm. American has no, lo- no more West Coast ports. Well, this is, I mean, to make this nerdy, this is the, this is one of the, the, one of the premises of the comic book series East of West, where the United States is, is divided up into several countries. So the Confederacy is a country, the Union is a country, Um, New Orleans becomes a kingdom of freed slaves, and California, the whole West Coast is actually the People's Republic of China. Interesting. Hmm. Sort of shades of the... uh... Man in the High Tower. Man in the High Castle. Mm-hmm. Man in the Castle. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. I suppose Matthew Weiner is going now. to have to pay extra tariffs <laughs> importing his kimonos and silken hump robes. Right. I always get my rope from overseas. Right. But even the ones I get from the continent of the United States will essentially be from another country. Mm-hmm. Also, my voice comes from New York, so I frequently lose it. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's just, you know, I hate to see him go, but I love to watch him leave. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I love to see him dangle. <laughs> well, I guess like California, this is moved yeah. on. Um, so lastly, what are some cool things that you can do with CRISPR? CRISPR, the hot technology, um, which, you know... You don't need to explain potentially, it. Potentially, but I will, potentially uh, can revolutionize things from gene therapy to antibiotics. What are some cool things you can do with CRISPR? Get into a fight with your religiously fundamental relatives? Yeah, don't need CRISPR for that. I mean, the, you know, uh, presumption of this question is that no one says, well, giant dongs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I was actually, I, I'm surprised I didn't go there. My first response was, Tails! Yeah, which we've actually got. Yeah, what kind of tail would you want, uh, Nathaniel? Ooh, I'd want one of them them big old, like, snow leopard tails no. just to keep me balanced. No, obvious answer is ankylosaurus tail. Come on. <laughs> I've got a lot of enemies to bash. Yeah. Oh, yes. I didn't know we could go. I'd even thought dinosaurs. Well, okay, pause, though, Jeremy. Is that... 
<laughs> is your tail as big as the ankylosaurus tail? So it, it's basically carrying you around, yeah. or do this you have is a great it, is question. it more like a homey sock where you just sort of have it? It can still do some damage, but it's not going to level a you know building. Lars, all these questions are it's... answered by CRISPR. <laughs> yeah, like I'm gonna have a giant dong and a ankylosaurus tail <laughs> okay. and a ankylosaurus tail for a dong. CRISPR fixes everything. Yeah, it's okay. His tail is basically gonna be a hacky sack at the end of a jump rope. <laughs> That's alluring for me and Matthew Weiner. I think the the bigger questions, assuming we have CRISPR, what other questions does that force us to ask? Like such questions as proportion. Mm. Right? How does it not simply what features would you add to your body, but how would it change the, the, the proportion of your body? Mm. You think we'd all be walking around looking like Eon Flux? Do you guys know who Eon Flux is? <laughs> Are you talking about the Charlize Theron role? <laughs> you see, you, you acted as if Eon Flux was a person. I think it's a film property. Before that, it was an animated series by uh, Peter Chung, I think, oh. where everyone is uh, elongated. Hmm. I don't know. Google for this. Jesus, that, it's not like computers don't Yeah, exist. I was just looking at it. Is that, is that the same as mannerism? I don't know. They, people are also kind of strung out in mannerist paintings. Oh, well, here's, here's maybe the big question, right? They say that, I've heard people say the right way for knees to bend is the opposite of the way they're bending now, right? So that we can move faster. That's how a lot of knees in the wild bend. Are you willing to have backwards knee? Am I willing? Yeah, as a <laughs> human being. You're asking question. Yeah. What's stopping me? <laughs> yeah. I guess lack of CRISPR. Well, I don't know if CRISPR, that could be, that could be, I mean, I think what's important to recognize about CRISPR is there are things that we can, one could mechanically get their knees to go the other way, right? We could solve that problem. Yeah. We've all seen the human centipede. <laughs> yeah. So I think what, what sorts of things could CRISPR allow us to do that we can't do through our already existing forms of, of modification, mm. like thinking more cognitively, right? How, so how far how can that human centipede like, go? <laughs> Indeed, indeed. What what other parts of my body can I turn into an erogenous zone? Nathaniel, did you know that the brain is the original erogenous zone? <laughs> On you, maybe. I still jerk off manually. <laughs> well, well, he said it was the original, not the updated. Saying that you still do it doesn't change anything. Leads. Anyway. Metaphor. Boy, CRISPR. That is what is happening. I thought we'd hit. A, I thought we'd bottomed out with the response to California. How does CRISPR? How apparently. does CRISPR work? Can you tell me that? Not on this yeah, podcast. Without IMDBing it, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. Um. Not. Uh, not as such. No. Essentially, it, it's a kind of. Um, think of it as a kind of molecular scissors where it can snip out portions of, of a genome essentially okay or or, or even do so things like, so it's like scissoring <laughs> exactly precisely why yes. didn't they call it scissors and they kind of did yeah that's true yeah crispr sounds like the that it actually it doesn't sound like it is that part of your fridge where you put vegetables right. i think that's right? the point i mean if you want something to stick it's got to have zazz <laughs> Ooh, can I have cauliflower feet? Is that a possibility? You just uh, all this regenerating cauliflower. Lens. You two eat too much vegetables. I think it's affected your your every understanding of the world. It's like right, I mean, it's you, like cordyceps. You, turn... It's controlling our. Uh, this is the Last of Us right now. A fungus is controlling our actions. If we okay, the, the human could you body... turn parts of you? Go on. Could you use CRISPR to turn yourself into a like a, a source for agriculture? Aren't you already? Well, like your, your your armpit hair becomes green onions. I don't know. That's pretty close. 
Think outside the box, people. Think outside Think the outside bun. Think outside the bun. <laughs> Jinx. Mm. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Yeah, this is going to <laughs> gone especially poorly, and so I'm just going to have to put a bullet in this. Yeah. All right. Is this better or worse than the California one? Uh, it's a wash. It's been too long since. Yeah. That Oddly, that's another thing that's going to happen to California. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the vote. All right, uh, we go in order, so uh, I'm up first. I think I'm going to go with Ryan because he didn't contribute any terrible response. <laughs> Lars? Uh, yeah, Ryan for me too. I mean, uh, you know, it was really neck and neck, but I think that sometimes, as we're reminded in the uh, the Joe versus the Volcano level quality film war games, sometimes the only way to win is not to play. So Ryan all the way. All right, Nathaniel, go ahead and throw your vote away. Yeah, I'll throw my vote away on Ryan. All right. He'll be so, so happy. I'm going I think to... his silence was his silence was let me finish. <laughs> his silence was golden. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm just going to select something. As Ryan's proxy and uh, holder of his power of attorney, I'll just select yeah, We're just going to do a cuss cast next week. <laughs> um, I'll select something that Ryan that is Ryan approved, and that is it's well known that Steve Bannon made his bones by profiting from a Seinfeld syndication deal. It's less known that he also sent in a script he wanted produced. Oh. Summarize it. <laughs> timely. Timely as if ripped from the headlines. Yeah. As we're recording, you know, the, the Bannon-Trump schism has ripped asunder. Mm. So, uh... This, what? The schism has ripped asunder? Isn't a schism already? No, you know, it's like it starts to heal and then it's I don't want to be pedantic, again. but... Okay. No, you do want to be pedantic. <laughs> I do. I really, I really do. Not, not limited to response. The Trump Bannon Hyman has finally torn. (laughs) The Trump Hyman has been ripped asunder. Boy, what you've been exposed to here, notwithstanding. (laughs) Hopefully, you'll join with us next time as we address that question, which I've already forgot. Um, Like many other things, I don't know how to end this. All right, the end. That was great. Yeah, it was actually pretty poor, but we'll we'll edit this into a tight fifteen minutes, and it'll be fine.